0: This is The Every Lawyer, presented by the Canadian Bar
1: Association. Today, we're going to tackle a topic that's been making national headlines regularly, and that's refugee and asylum seekers to Canada. 26,000 people irregularly cross the Canada-US border in a recent 15-month period. They were seeking refugee claims. Obviously, this puts a really big pressure on the legal system for both the lawyers and then also the claimants who are navigating this confusing and this foreign process for the first time. The Canadian Bar Association has published a toolkit for both lawyers and asylum seekers. It breaks down the major legal processes that go into making refugee claims. It also helps navigate this complex legal system that's involved. Jacqueline Bonesteel is with us today to talk through how to use it. She's an associate with Caruso Guberman Appleby, where she leads the immigration law practice of the Ottawa office. Jacqueline is also the former coordinator of the National Immigration Law section of the CBA, and she was part of the team that wrote the toolkit. So Jacqueline, thanks so much for taking the time today to explain some of the major hurdles of refugee law and then how this toolkit responds to some of them. Uh, But before we even start, I was hoping you could give our audience an overview of the tool uh, from the CBA. In the intro, I actually mentioned that it's for both lawyers and asylum seekers. And let's Mm -hmm. just fact check me. Is that right, first of all?
0: Yeah, it is. Um uh, maybe I can start by telling you a bit about how the toolkit came about and why. Sure. So we we developed this in around 2017-2018. Um and we developed it in the midst of uh this increase in asylum seekers to Canada who were coming across the border from the US mm-hmm. as as everyone knows, largely because of the Trump effect, um this sort of yes. climate of uh, non-welcoming of refugees um, and the f- sense that refugees were no longer safe in the U.S. and also some, some policies uh, directed at people who had been living in the U.S. for a long time who were all of a sudden going to lose uh, their ability to stay. So... Uh, we started seeing this increase in numbers and that was obviously causing some concern mm-hmm. um, about resources and, and other issues, of course. So uh, as immigration lawyers with the CBA, we felt that it would be helpful to develop a sort of toolkit with just some basic information, unbiased information about the mm-hmm. asylum process in Canada, what the rights of asylum seekers are in Canada, um, who who is granted asylum and who is not, just sort of some of those basics because... Immigration is is such a politically charged area of law and uh, I think right. unlike some other areas of law we we come up against a lot of misinformation um because mm. either politically motivated or um the things get lost in translation um and information right. is shared and it's not quite accurate so uh, we sort of felt that this was One thing we could do was just develop this tool that either lawyers who don't practice refugee law normally would be able to direct their clients Mm -hmm. to if they were in this situation. Maybe lawyers um, in foreign jurisdictions as well could just sort of have some basic information about the process in Canada. And also, of course, asylum seekers themselves who are... Googling and, and looking for for mm. that information, um, have it accessible to them as well.
1: So would you say it's more geared toward not necessarily Canadian lawyers or Canadian immigration lawyers who are well-versed in this, but more toward asylum seekers and foreign lawyers?
0: Well, actually, um, the way this all started was I was developing a presentation at the, uh, a law school in New York, Um, which Mm -hmm. exactly that it was geared to American lawyers who were all of a sudden getting all Mm. these questions about the system in Canada and wanting some, some basic details. So I had, created this presentation and then um, CBA picked up on it and realized that this could be sort of widely distributed and useful for a lot of different Mm. reasons. So definitely that was part of our thought process was that uh, foreign lawyers might uh, benefit from this. The real purpose, though, was to have sort of basic details covered in the toolkit and then ultimately with the aim of having people, um, potential asylum seekers, speak to a lawyer and, and get more detailed legal advice.
1: Do you mind clarifying language for us? So we're talking about asylum seekers. What's the difference between an asylum seeker and a refugee?
0: So an asylum seeker is it's the same thing as a refugee claimant. So it's someone who has uh, entered Canada to make a refugee claim or to seek asylum in Canada. A refugee is by definition, someone who has been accepted for refugee status. So, so that's the distinction.
1: Got it. OK. And so you mentioned that this was for both asylum seekers and for lawyers that you know, aren't necessarily completely well-versed in Canadian law mm-hmm. already. When you actually drafted the tool, what did you have to consider since you had such a varied audience?
0: Yeah, I think our our aim was to keep it quite basic and just provide a broad overview um, of some topics that we believe to be important. Um, so one of those was the Canada to U.S. safe third country agreement, which um, there's a yes. lot of misunderstanding about what that agreement is and, and what it means for, for refugee claimants. So just sort of a, a broad overview of um, who can claim, Asylum under the safeguard country agreement at a legal border crossing, and who cannot. Um, and then, yeah. you know. Uh- some basic things on on the rights of refugee claimants. So, if you're here and you've made a refugee claim, um, the fact that you have access to a work permit, you have access to some healthcare coverage, um, and uh, you know that that lasts up until your your claim is either uh, refused or accepted. Um, so, yeah, some basic things on refugee rights. Uh, another really important topic for us was other options for attaining status in Canada because. That's something I see all the time is uh, when you work in this field, you end up getting a lot of calls, often from abroad. Uh, with people asking if they qualify for to make a refugee claim in Canada. And what I often see or come to learn in those calls is that the person considering refugee status actually has another option. They may qualify to become an economic immigrant to Canada or they could apply for a study permit. And unfortunately, I also see the other side where someone has come and they've made a refugee claim that doesn't have a great basis um, and they've been refused. And in speaking to them, I realize that, you know, if, if from the beginning they had considered another option, they might not be finding themselves in this situation. So I think that's something that's often overlooked. And we wanted to provide some information about the other programs that are out there to make make sure potential asylum seekers are considering those before coming to Canada to make a refugee claim.
1: Right. So people can make more informed decisions on these huge life events. Yeah. Um, it sounds like this is just, you know, infinitely useful to a broad array of people. Was there nothing like this before you drafted this with the CBA?
0: Um, I mean, I think there there's definitely other organizations out there who are doing great work and making the effort to get uh, clear and unbiased information out to refugee claimants. I think part of the issue is that, um though it's difficult to access some of those resources when you're abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's right. uh, you know, there's there's great settlement organizations in Canada. There's great lawyers in Canada. there's, Uh, Canadian Association of Refugee Lawyers and the Canadian Council of Refugees are two organizations doing really great work and and providing information. Um, But yeah, I think for for people who haven't made it here yet, um, accessing Mm -hmm. that clear and understandable information uh, is difficult. So I definitely think that was a gap. And, and still is you know we've we've tried to do our part to address that and it's it's a small thing but um you know I'm, i i hope that our tool uh is accessible to to those who are abroad but there is still a lot of misinformation out there and it's still quite hard to wade through all that and and find the right information so it's it's definitely an ongoing issue
1: yeah that actually leads me to my next question it was you know, anecdotally, from what you've seen on the ground in your own practice, uh, has this toolkit been responding to the needs? And, you know, how does it distill through all the misinformation that's out there when it comes to uh, refugee and asylum seekers and their rights.
0: Yeah, again, I think the the toolkit is a small thing and maybe we could be doing a bit of a better job of making sure that it's disseminated in the right places. Um, But another issue, unfortunately, that's come up is that the toolkit is now going to need some major updating um, because there's been some pretty significant changes in the law itself here in Ontario and access to legal aid for refugees claimants so I uh, that's an unfortunate thing is that even if people do access our our toolkit it, it right now it needs to be updated uh, it means that uh, the legal rights have changed um, I think in in quite an unfortunate way
1: yeah I was gonna actually ask if we could talk about that so there's two different topics that you you mm-hmm. brought up there I was wondering if we could talk about bill c97. Mm-hmm first. Uh, it was introduced in April of this year. Obviously, <laughs> there's a lot of effects. There's a lot going on. But what do you see of the major effects that it's introducing here to uh, refugee law in Canada?
0: Well, the, the really big one is that if it passes, it's going to make a whole new group of people ineligible to make a refugee claim in Canada. So if if a mm-hmm. claimant has made a previous claim for protection in one of the Five Eyes countries, so that's the U.S., the U.K., Australia, and New Zealand, uh, they'll no longer Mm -hmm. be eligible to claim in Canada. And uh, that's, you know, whether or not your claim has been actually heard. So it's it's not that, you know, if you were granted protection in the U.S., you're ineligible. No, it's if you made the claim in the U.S. and and Mm -hmm. left the before the claim was finalized, maybe you never even had a hearing, um, you're then ineligible to claim in Canada. So that's a, a really, really significant change. Um, and mm-hmm. instead of being able to make a full refugee claim, uh, people who are in that situation will be directed to what's called the pre-removal risk assessment process, which is uh, in, in nowhere near equivalent to a full refugee claim. It's it's not before an independent body. Um, there's no hearing. There's no access to an appeal. Um, it's it's just a written procedure, so a, a lot of real concerns amongst the refugee bar about that change.
1: Right, and do you, it's early days. Mm-hmm. I realize. Do you expect or anticipate a legal challenge if if and when this is implemented as law?
0: Yeah, I think so. There's definitely talks of that amongst our bar right now. Um, I think you know a, a really major concern is was was that this was introduced in the omnibus bill, um, which makes it difficult to even, you know, have those consultations and discussions before the law is passed. So uh, that's the focus right now of of some major advocacy campaigns to uh, arguing okay. that it wasn't appropriate to introduce this really, really major change um, in omnibus legislation. And our hope is that uh, we can. Uh, get it removed and, um, you know, if if the government does want to introduce that change to have it introduced in a forum where there is room for comment and consultation.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. And so then back to the toolkit, um, what will be the plans for updating it? Do you, and do you refresh it every so often or just generally how do you ensure that it's current for both, for all of its audiences? Yeah,
0: well, as you say, this is a really recent change, so we haven't updated mm-hmm. it <laughs> yet, recent. but uh, I think that would be the first step would just be to update the toolkit to advise that that this is i mean the, the the change hasn't happened yet but that it's coming down the pipeline and that that's something that's important for potential asylum seekers to understand that they might not have the rights that we're saying they do right now in this toolkit. Okay.
1: And that's just good for our own audience to know mm-hmm. right now so if they're listening to this podcast in a couple of months to know that the most likely um if this has been introduced as law then the toolkit will have been refreshed and updated to reflect the most current uh, refugee law in the country. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, awesome. And you also brought up the cutbacks to legal aid in Ontario. Can you t- tell me a little bit about how that would specifically affect refugee claimants?
0: Yeah, well, that one is already affecting refugee claimants. So our provincial government um, just uh, introduced that uh, legal aid funding for refugees was being cut so that uh, provincial mm-hmm. money was no longer to be used by Legal Aid for refugee services, so Legal Aid has had to scramble and figure that out immediately. And um, right now, there are only Legal Aid certificates, new Legal Aid certificates, um, to cover preparation of the basis of claim, which is the form that all refugee claimants need to fill out, setting out um, their personal details and their story and their reasons for claiming protection. So. Really important uh-huh. document, and fortunately, there's still legal aid coverage for assistance preparing that, but uh, it's limited to that now. So um, there's there's no coverage for a representation uh, at the actual refugee hearing, no coverage for translations and medical reports, psychological reports, other. Uh, procedures like the refugee appeal, uh, like detention reviews, uh, really, really important processes that claimants are no longer going to be covered for, um, which is a, a really serious access to justice issue um, that I... Mm. and. One that I think is also what we'll see is that it's going to cause a lot of inefficiency because um, right. uh, you know people are going to be attending their hearings without any legal representation, without any preparation, mm-hmm. without an understanding of how the system works and the evidence that they need to present. And that's just going to lead to, I think, um, many delays and inefficiencies, which is the opposite of, of what uh, I think the government is hoping for with the refugee process. So, it's really unfortunate. Right. Uh, definitely, lots of advocacy going on right now, uh, but uh, you know we're already going to be seeing the effects. Unfortunately, even if things change down the line,
1: mm-hmm. and particularly in a time when we have increased claimants too, right? So I imagine it's overburdened to begin with.
0: Well, that's it, and that's I, I think it's just so short sighted for that reason, because I think the goal, um, you know, for the left and for the right, no matter what your political stripes Mm -hmm. is to have a fast and efficient uh, and fair refugee program and access to justice is obviously a key aspect of that access to a competent representative Mm -hmm. is a key component of that. And this is taking that away very suddenly, which uh, is isn't good for anyone.
1: No, it does sound, though, like in the wake of that, tools such as uh, the the refugee kit that you've produced for the CBA have become increasingly more important if people are going to have to be self-represented and, and figure out this complex system for themselves. Yeah, I
0: think that's true. But our, our goal was always just to have, you know, some basic details. Um, we, we have the link up for the CBA Find a Lawyer tool to help people mm. sort of, you know, you know, okay, get sort of the, the basic overview through our toolkit and then connect with a competent representative. Right, um, And that may no longer be possible for those who don't have the funds to hire a lawyer privately uh, in Ontario. So we may need to look at expanding this, um, working with other organizations uh, to, to try to fill these gaps, but it's it's going to be tough.
1: Right. And I, th- I think that's actually a really good point is that it's, you know, it's, it's not a one stop shop mm-hmm. for everything you could ever need uh, in order to make a successful refugee claim to Canada. It's, it's a starting point. Is that Absolutely, fair to say? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Starting point is, is definitely the right way to look at it.
1: OK. Um, what am I not asking you that you think is really important for our audience to understand about this toolkit and refugee law just generally in Canada?
0: What comes to mind for me is just, uh, again, our goal here was objective, unbiased information about what the system offers, what it doesn't, who's eligible to make a claim, who isn't. And I just think um, in, in the political climate we're in, uh, it's actually quite difficult to access that kind of information and to, to get this understanding because, you know, media reports are often using language um, that, uh, you know, it doesn't reflect uh, what the system actually is. So. Um, yeah, I I would just encourage anyone listening to uh, to seek that out and to um, before forming opinions to sort of, yeah, seek out this kind of objective information about the system and um, and and the statistics uh, I mentioned at the beginning that. There was an increase in the number of claimants in 2017 and 2018, and that's often conveyed to be this crisis where there's massive numbers of people entering illegally, um, and I... Uh, that, that's just simply not true. We, we did see an increase. Mm-hmm. That increase has since gone down. Um, yes, we're, we're overburdened right now uh, because we just don't have the resources there to hear all the claims. So there are some delays and backlogs, mm-hmm. but this language of, you know, an influx of illegal refugee claimants is just totally inaccurate. Um, so that's, that's <laughs> a point I just always like to make uh, in these forums, and uh, I think it's an important one.
1: I think so, too. And I was actually going to ask you, do you hear that language in, you know, obviously there's some partisan media, mm-hmm. but do you hear that in, in neutral media as well?
0: I do. Yeah, it was a big pet peeve of yeah. mine for a long time that this, um, the word illegal, because mm-hmm. uh, under international law, uh, there's nothing illegal about entering Canada to make a refugee claim. Even if you don't enter at uh, a legal port of entry, if you enter the country Ill- irregularly, it's It's not illegal if you then make a refugee claim because of the international convention that says that once you're on Canadian soil, we will give you the right to have your claim heard. And, you know, there's many people who don't have the ability to enter at a legal crossing, um, but who still qualify as refugees. So uh, that was, as I say, a big pet peeve of mine. I think uh, definitely Mm -hmm. I've seen some media sources doing better in using the word irregular as opposed to illegal. Um, But, you know, there's lots of language that I don't think, uh, you know, many journalists use, they're not doing it uh, to be malicious or anything. It's just sort of the common uh, words that we use, and we we may need to challenge some of those.
1: Mm -hmm. Because they're not factual. Mm -hmm. Um, In closing, for both claimants and lawyers accessing the CBA toolkit for their first time, what's that one main takeaway that you'd like them to have?
0: You and your clients need to find an expert um, and that mm-hmm. the earlier you can uh, get uh, accurate legal advice, the better, um, because as I said before, by the time someone has entered Canada, um, it may be too late because they've made a refugee claim and maybe there was another option out there. Or if they've mm-hmm. already gone through the process and been refused, um, hopefully that's not the first time you're consulting counsel, but it often is. So I think um, uh, the goal of the toolkit is just to get some information out there, but convey the message that, look, this is complex. Um, it's always case specific and uh the earlier you can get counsel uh, that's, that's accurate and uh, professional, the better.
1: Well, thank you so much, Jacqueline, for your time. I really appreciate it. And I've myself have learned a lot about refugee law in Canada, and I'm sure our audience will as well.
0: Okay, great. My pleasure.
1: What a fascinating and topical discussion. Thanks to Jacqueline for explaining the ins and the outs of this area. If you want to learn more, the toolkit can be accessed through the CBA website under the Publications and Resources section. Or you can go to www.cba.org asylum-seekers. We'd be interested in hearing your own experiences with refugee law and your thoughts on Bill C-97. Tweet to us at CBA underscore news, or you can reach me at my handle at SS. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to receive notifications for new episodes and leave us a review if you like what you hear. We also have a podcast in French called Je Risse Blanchet. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode.